Hello everyone. Life is full of contrasts. This is where we compare things in order to show differences. The phrase chalk and cheese goes back to the year 1390 and not a lot of people know that. Today we look at the way we think. When the Holy Spirit influences and affects us, we start to change our mindset. Instead of thinking about ourselves all the time, we find that our priorities begin to change. In fact, the Bible says that when we trust Jesus, we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. Let's make sure that we choose life. Have a great day. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Amen. Great. So we are Stuart. Thank you very much. Thank you. So it's my task to bring a mighty word apparently, so Well, it's great to be with you, and uh, it's a wonderful opportunity. We set off early, and uh, the traffic was really quiet, which is very unusual, isn't it, from Norwich to Lincoln. It's a terrible road, but today was a really uh, peaceful ride. And and so sometimes when we talk the words multi-site, and we're thinking of being one location among many, sometimes it's hard to grasp that and we feel that we just need to keep giving information with regard to the fact that we believe that God has called us to be constantly thinking about planting. The reason we do that is twofold really. We want more and more people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. We want that to happen and experts say that one of the greatest forms of evangelism is church planting. So we want more and more people to find faith, but also we want to release more and more people to do these things. And so releasing leaders into various situations, I think, is very, very important. And and so uh, in September, we're going into a place called Gainsborough. Now, Gainsborough uh, is about 26 miles, I think, from Lincoln, so it's very much around our area. Uh, But we do ask that you pray about sending little words of, um, that you receive from the Lord uh, to those that are going to be planting in Gainsborough in September. And if you could fill those little cards out, pray about them, send some scriptures, I'm sure that will be a real blessing to them. But also to recognize that in the future, we'd like to be thinking not just of the region. Obviously, I live in Lincoln, and so we've thought more about Lincoln, but we want this area to come alive also, and you will notice we tried to communicate on the Luton issue, 
um, it's a strange thing, but um, Luton contacted us wanting to connect and uh, asking if it's possible to become a location. And we just want you to know that we take those kind of things very seriously. So we walked with them, and actually, in the uh, as Howard shared, we really felt the best thing was that they linked locally, the relationships are good and so on, but we do want you to know what we're doing behind the scenes because sometimes it's difficult to get the concept that we're one church operating in various locations. So that desire to plant is very strong with us and uh, to grow is very strong with us and um, so we'll try and communicate the best we can as we move forward. And um, so it's my honor to bring something of the word today. We're in a series called Life in the Spirit. And we've asked that the Holy Spirit be welcomed in this place. And we believe that the Holy Spirit, obviously we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here among us to empower us, to cause us to be witnesses, and to point us to Jesus. So when we hear about life in the Spirit, I believe it's important that we understand that we can walk with God, and we do so as the Holy Spirit comes among us. We're not into religion, we're into relationship. We're into knowing God through Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit has been sent in order that we can do that more effectively. But we've got to live in the Spirit. We've got to know what it is to please God and walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And this is a lifelong commitment, isn't it? We're all flawed humanity, but we're all people that are being changed, the Bible says, from one degree of glory to another. So we're expecting change and shift in our lives, but we believe very much in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So we're linking this series with the series we did some months ago uh, about the person of the Holy Spirit. We want to keep that journey on. And Romans chapter 8, uh, one commentator calls this Paul's Pentecost. So when Paul writes the book of uh, Romans, this particular chapter, he calls, the, this commentator calls this Paul's Pentecost. So chapter 8 of um, Romans, all of the chapter is about the Holy Spirit and how we can walk in the Spirit. And so we felt that over a number of weeks we would break it down a few verses at a time to try and discover more and more what it means to be uh, living a life through the Spirit. So last week we reminded ourselves that those that are in Christ, there's no condemnation. If we're in Christ, he has paid the price. He has dealt with the issues that hold us back from knowing God. He's broken uh, the barrier between God and man, and he's brought us into this life. And um, the Bible tells us that when we come to Christ and we invite the Holy Spirit to come and dwell within us, everything changes. And and that the condemnation that we've lived under is lifted. And for many of us, you know, this thing called condemnation keeps us from progressing in the Christian life. You know, we we say things like, I'm not good enough, Um, God won't listen to me, I'm not as good as other people, but we recognize it's not about our goodness, it's about his goodness, it's not about our ability to hold the hand of God, it's he who holds our hand, fills us with the Holy Spirit, 
And um, this cooperation, which is very wonderful between God and man, a new life begins. The moment we receive Jesus Christ into our lives, a new life begins. The Bible says the old has passed away, everything becomes new. And then we start that walk, which sometimes frustrates us, doesn't it? And Paul talks about that. You know, we want to do stuff. We don't always do it. We, we don't always press through into the fullness of what God has called us to. It's a lifelong battle because though the battle is won, if you like, the war is won. There are still battles. The enemy is still very real, harming our walk, holding us back, speaking words against us. That's why the word of God has to be strong in our lives where we actually believe this, there is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So we're coming into this second part now, which is in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 to 8. Did you like the voice on the video? That was Simon. He's got one of those nice voices to read the scriptures. But because it's so short, let me just read these verses again. We're going to be looking in a little bit more detail at Romans 8, Verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature or live according to the flesh have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. Isn't it amazing? In just a couple of verses, almost the complexity of thought in there that that deserves a morning just looking at. Here's the Apostle Paul. Yes, a theologian, a person who has a a strong mind, an intellect, but also a living relationship with God is bringing these words to us so that we might understand what walking a life uh, in the Spirit is all about. And today's title is A Life of Contrast in the Spirit. A Life of Contrast in the Spirit. You'll find, and we'll look at this together, there are contrasts. There are Things, you know, the chalk and cheeses, if you like, the light and darkness, things that are contrasted in these verses. And the two worlds of walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh, if you like, or walking according to the human nature are chalk and cheese. They are totally, totally different. And some Christians get the idea, I'll have a little bit of Jesus or I'll have a little bit of church and I'll live my own life. No, Paul is saying when you, when you find Christ, a whole change takes place. You move from one way of living to another way of living. So we're going to look at uh, the difference between living life in the Spirit and living for ourselves. Or uh, in some translations, it's, it's walking in the flesh or living with the old nature. And sometimes I believe we have this idea that because we're on the earth, we can't be too heavenly minded. And sometimes, and you've perhaps met them, uh, Christians who are so sort of in another world that they can't always connect with this world. And so Paul wants us to know that though there are two worlds, we do live in this one. And we have to make a difference in this one. C.S. Lewis made this comment. 
If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. In other words, to make a difference now, we've got to have our minds set on things that are above. We've got to have our minds set on God and his purposes. And therefore, we are meant to make a difference in this world, aren't we? We're meant to be good husbands, good parents, good fathers, good good everything, aren't we? We're meant to be followers of Jesus in this world But it's a God mindset that helps us to do that effectively. And that's what we're going to be looking at together. We often, uh, and I I think I speak for many of us, we're often nervous of being seen as different or strange. You know, when we become Christians, and some of the younger people will understand this, when we become Christians, we want to be light, we want to be... Uh, in our workplace, not seen as strange, weird, edgy, flaky. And sometimes people get the idea, if I become a Christian, you know, I kiss my brains goodbye, or I become a little bit odd, a little bit strange. Paul is not saying be strange, he's saying be different. He's not saying be weird or flaky. He's saying just think differently. Act differently. And actually, that's what we were created for. You see, our new life as Christians should be very different from the old life that we lived. There should be a difference coming from darkness to light. We should be different, but that doesn't mean strange or weird. And I want you to just get this idea that um, when you're a follower of Jesus, you become integrated as a person. You become, I believe, more attractive in this world. You don't have to be strange or odd to be a follower of Jesus, but you have to be different. And so we're going to be looking at what that difference is like. And so we're going to look very quickly at four things that are contrasted in these verses. The first thing you'll find in verse 5 is what I would call the contrast of ambition. The contrast of ambition. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. A contrast of ambition. What What is our ambition in life? To please the Spirit or to please ourselves? This word mindset is very important. It says those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. Mindset refers really to the positioning of our thoughts, our affections, our desires. What is our mindset? Is our aim to please God or are we out to please ourselves? I believe that we set our focus on the Spirit's desires And I think together we're challenged with this thought, is our ambition to set our hearts on God's will for our lives? The contrast of ambition, what is your ambition in life? Is your ambition in life to be a follower of God? It's a big question, isn't it? What are your ambitions and hopes? That doesn't mean that you don't have ambition in life to have a good job or to do well. But what genuinely is our ambition? What is the heartbeat that we live for? Is it really to be a follower of Jesus Christ? There's a contrast of ambition here. Those who live according to the sinful nature or to the flesh, their minds are set on 
natural things, on worldly things, on our own will, if you like, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So if we have our minds set on what the Spirit desires, we've got to learn how the Holy Spirit moves, how he speaks to us. That means we've got to be people of prayer. We've got to hear from God. We've got to be sensitive to him. We've got to learn, as the Bible says, to know what is pleasing to God. And these are things that over a period of time we begin to understand. I believe the problems come when there's no contrast. When our ambitions are not clear, where it's as though there's a blur in how we live our lives. And I think that we would find it easier in life if we'd remove the blur. If we're wholeheartedly committed to God and to his purpose. This strange idea that if you wholeheartedly commit yourself to God, well, you lose all your fun and all your joy. And, uh, and that's why sometimes there's a compromise, or I'm calling it a blur because we're looking at contrast today. There really is a contrast between the old life and the new life in Christ. So the contrast of ambition. Secondly, I believe that there's the contrast of condition. Verse 6 says this, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. In other words, if we give ourselves just to be looking after number one, if we give ourselves to the flesh, if you like, or the sinful nature, then the Bible says that ultimately ends in death, where we are separated from God. However, there's a contrast of condition. Those who set their affections on the work of the Spirit, they find life. They find life and peace. Jesus says that he has come into the world that we might have life in all of its fullness. And therefore, there's a contrast of condition. What condition are we in today? What's our condition? What's our heart condition? Because if we set our affections on the Spirit... It brings life. But if we continually put ourselves first or yield, if you like, to our sinful nature, that ultimately leads to death. There's a way that seems right to man, the Bible says, that ultimately leads to death, separation from God. That's why this stuff is so important. So a contrast of ambition. What is our ambition? Do we want to please God or please ourselves? Contrast of condition. Do we understand that if we sow, if you like, to the sinful nature, it leads to bad condition, to death. But if we sow to the things of the Spirit, we receive life. And I want to be in good condition, don't you? To be a follower of Jesus. And I believe that when we come close to God, he wants us to be blessed physically, spiritually, emotionally. He wants us to be whole. I reckon that a lot of problems that Christians have is because there's no contrast. There's no choosing of the fullness of walking in the spirit and pleasing God. There's a kind of a compromised walk. One day I'm following Jesus. Oh, now it's going wrong a bit. I think I'll go this other way. And following Jesus is not an easy way, is it? We continue to follow him, even though there are valleys and hard times and difficulties. We've made a choice. Choice is very important. You know, I, I, I get very frustrated with people who say, I'm a Christian one day and something happens and all of a sudden God's let them down and faith is at a low ebb. 
We all go through seasons and times. But this passage is about a choice. Choosing God's way or our way is the simple way of looking at it. Choosing the way of the spirit or the way of the flesh. We'll look at what the word flesh means in a minute or two. So the contrast of ambition, the contrast of condition. You see, the old sinful nature works hard to control the mind and leads to death. Whereas the new nature in Christ works to give room for the spirit to control the mind, leading to eternal life and peace. That's why we're told to think on things that are above. Think better thoughts. Think good thoughts about people, good situation. Walking in harmony with the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit's fruit to be uh, manifest in our lives. And the, the fruit of the Spirit really is the character and nature of Jesus, isn't it? So we want to walk as Jesus would walk. We want to be filled with peace, joy, love, self-control, those fruit of the Spirit. So the contrast of condition. Thirdly, the contrast of mindset. And a lot of what I'm talking about this morning is to do with the mind. How many of us know that most battles that we face as Christians are mind battles? They're thought battles. And the mind is very important. And verse 7 tells us this. It says here that the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So there's a big contrast of mindset. The old self-centered mindset is is centered on us and our way. And this mindset, the Bible says, is hostile to God. I don't know if we think about this, but the moment we are self-willed, we become hostile to God's ways. It's a mindset, how we think. But the new God-centered mindset wants to walk close to God and live right. Now, some translations here use the word flesh. And flesh here, walking according to the flesh, it's strange words for us, isn't it? Some, Some translations say flesh. This is not this stuff. This is not body, flesh. This really means our fallen nature. What we would be without Christ. What has happened because of the fall and sinful nature. It's to do with that. And the contrast is doing our own thing or choosing God's way. So the contrast of mindset. I want to encourage us with regard to how we think. Mindset is very important. Have we a mindset on pleasing God or a mindset pleasing ourselves. It's amazing how mindset is important. How we speak about life is very important. There's power in the, in the tongue, isn't it? Life and death in the tongue. Speaking well of one another. Blessing people. Learning to do things the Jesus way. Some people have a mindset that is, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm, I'm sure everything will go wrong. Have a mindset is a trust thing. It's trusting God with who we are. It's walking with him, not according to the old nature, which always pulls you down. It's like the old nature is like a spiritual gravity. It always pulls you down. Always find yourself pulled down. But it's interesting, the Holy Spirit always pulls us up. The Holy Spirit working in us helps us to see who we really are, gives us a sense of purpose, a sense of identity. So contrast of ambition, the contrast of condition, 
the contrast of mindset, and then fourthly, the contrast of control. You know, really, I think at the heart of walking in the Spirit is a control issue. It says here, um, let's just pick up in verse 8, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. So when we open our hearts and we are born again, as the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, then we come into a place where the control shifts. Control, who is controlling our lives today? I think it's J. John that uses the illustration of a car, doesn't it? Sometimes we kind of put God in the back seat and we're still driving. But actually, to be able to give the control, and this is a big one. It's easy for me from the frontier to say, you know, give your control of your life over to God and you'll not be disappointed. But all of us find we like a little bit of a handle on, we, we like to just keep hold of the steering wheel slightly just in case God takes us down a route or a road we're not too comfortable with. And therefore, to say, I want you, Lord, to control my life, that's a big thing, isn't it? To shift the control from me to him is a big thing. Who is controlling our lives today? Is it our ambition, or do we have an ambition to follow the Lord? What is our condition today? How are we doing in our Christian walk with God? These verses are really meant to be liberating. You remember we started with, there's therefore now no condemnation, but I can guarantee in these verses most of us are feeling, I'm really not good enough. I've not really given over the control. You know, I'm, I'm not where I ought to be. Now, all of those things are really quite healthy if we do something about it because we're on a journey. This is a lifelong journey. I can guarantee if I were to ask some of the older people that have been walking with God for a long period of time, you know, are, are you satisfied with where you are now? I think most of us say I'm satisfied, but I'm not satisfied. I need more of his presence. I need to understand more of his grace I mess it up and I want to walk with the grace of God over my lives. But those that watch over a period of time will see the change in you. I think that's a good thing, isn't it? To be able to recognize the grace of God in brothers and sisters. You know, some of you will know that in our church we have um, a a cafe that's, um, that's looked after by members of Bethel. And Bethel is a a group of churches of ex-addicts and almost all of them that are serving in the cafe are are ex-heroin addicts. And uh, it's just wonderful. Someone came to see me on Friday, a man from Scotland looking to see how we operate and he just came to ask questions and he he was talking to me and I, I started to boast a bit about what was happening. But the boasting, I think, was in what God is doing among us. And I said, you've got to talk to these guys. They were only a matter, some of them only a matter of three or four years ago were living out in the streets. They were in drug addiction, no hope. They'd been through every kind of help they could find. They came to the end and then they found Jesus. And I'll tell you, that batch that we get in Monday to Friday are some of the best people on the planet. 
they work wonderfully, they recognize where they've come from, and it's just wonderful. And sometimes, you know, I I know I I was brought up in a Christian home, and, and sometimes I've thought, I've not had much of a testimony. The most I've ever taken is an aspirin. You know, I mean, has God changed me or hasn't he? And sometimes people that are brought up in church, and some of you may identify with this, you say, you know, I've, I've not got a great testimony. You know, I, I, I know that I'm in a process of change, but I haven't got this great testimony. I'll tell you what, this contrast stuff you see in the lives of people that have been, if you like, really pleasing the flesh and now are really pleasing the Lord. You see that contrast. And uh, Monday to Friday, I marvel at the group that are in our cafe. They're just wonderful people who are trusting Jesus. I'm sure they do, but I never hear them moan. Uh, Before they were taking this, we had volunteers from our church running the cafe, and, you know, every other day there's a moan and a groan, and why do I do this? I never hear that, because they see the grace of God has brought them from total darkness to totally walking in the Spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes Christians have problems because of blur and compromise. I'm here to say, let's seal it and get out of our own mindset and into pleasing God in the liberation that that brings. It's a fantastic thing to be liberated and free at last. And that requires a change of control. Who's in charge? Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And that's where the challenge is. How do we set our minds on spiritual things when we live on planet Earth? How do we do that? Well, to conclude my talk, I'll give you three things that I think will help us all to be able to do that. Today is about not about pointing the finger and saying, you know, you're not where you ought to be. It's not about condemnation. It's about asking some serious questions. What's your ambition in life? Do you genuinely want to please God? What's your condition today? Are you right with God? Are you walking in his power? Where are you in your journey? Uh, What's your mindset? How do you think? And who's in control? It's a great question for all of us from time to time. So how do we set our minds on spiritual things? How do we experience life in all of its fullness or life in the spirit? Here's three things. Number one, very practical Choose to fill your mind with the Spirit's words. Choose to fill your mind with the Spirit's words. So what we're talking about is 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. All scripture is God-breathed. It's God-breathed. It's spirit. It's life. So how do we fill our minds with pleasing the Spirit? Well, we fill our minds with God's word. Now, this is stuff we all know. We've been Christians for very long. If you've been on an Alpha course, they'll tell you that. If you've been on a, a sort of a instruction to church life and membership, everybody will tell you this. Read the Bible, pray. Read the Bible, read the Bible, pray. 
It is simple, but that's what we've got to do. <laughs> I, I think it was Yonggi Cho, was, he said this. He said, somebody said, how do you live, live your life? He said, I pray and I obey. I pray and I obey. So my belief is that we choose to fill our thought patterns and our thinking and our mind with the Spirit's words. And so we get to know the Bible. We read on a daily basis. John 6 verse 63 says, The words I speak to you are spirit and life. Jesus says, Even the words I'm speaking to you are spirit and life. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in perfect unity. The Word of God proclaimed. How do we get our brains straight? By the Word of God. And that's why, uh, back to our Bethel friends, every day, discipling, Bible, Word of God, getting your thoughts changed by the words of the Spirit. If you're thinking, you know, I'm not really doing very well, here's a question are you regularly into the book? And sometimes we need some help with the book, don't we? You know, when I came to Romans chapter 8 and I started to try and break it down, I'm thinking, this will need a few weeks. You know, I, I was at first thinking we might make Romans 8 a, a week's talk, and then I thought, no, I can't even understand the first two verses, let alone the rest. So we're breaking it down, and I hope you'll find this helpful as we go through the whole of this um, series to know what it is to please him. So week one, we know there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Something has shifted. Some, something's different. He's not out to get us. Uh, he's, he's out to get us into his love. And he doesn't want us to live under a cloud of condemnation. First thing, choose to fill your mind with the Spirit's words. Secondly, continue to ask for the Spirit's help. You know, when, when you're in school and you can't do something, you, you just ask teacher for help. The problem is, if you were in a school like mine, you'd ask for help, they'd tell you the answer and you still didn't get it. But, but I believe that here the Holy Spirit not only breathes words and gives us words, but we can call upon the Holy Spirit for help. I hope you understand by now, or we understand by now, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's alongside us. He indwells us. He is spirit, but he is, has personality. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can quench his presence, but you can also embrace his help. And the Holy Spirit is there to help us. Now, we're going to go in a little bit more detail further into the series, but let me just whet your appetite. In verse 28 of chapter 8, it says this, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Is anybody weak in this stuff? I am. So the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We'll see in the series, how he helps us, sometimes we can't even utter what the problem is. Sometimes we just mutter <laughs> because we can't express what the problem is. And the Holy Spirit helps us. And sometimes even his work within us are more like groans than answers because we are in a battle. And God wants to change us and shift our mindsets. And that's a long-term thing. So, But the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. So we need to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Ask him for help. Help me understand your word, Lord. How many of us, 
Even, you know, when we read the Bible, you put it down quickly, say, I I haven't a clue what this means. Or you try firstly to find a Bible commentary with a bit of light on it. I tell you what, that can come later, but why not first of all say, Lord, open my eyes to this. Help me to see what's in your word. Illuminate my heart. You see, this isn't a book where only intellectuals can understand. This isn't a book, and the church in church history misunderstood this, where only the priests could do this stuff and the common people were just taught by priests. No, this book is in the hands of every believer. And I tell you what, this book is not just for those that are educated or can understand why, because though some of the thoughts in here are complex, the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. And I've seen it. People who perhaps couldn't handle stuff intellectually read this book, and by the illumination of the Holy Spirit, things get shifted in their mindset. They start to think differently. So here's a good prayer to pray on a regular basis. Help! Help! I, I think if we did it more, we'd get more. If we just say, Lord, I don't get this, help. If we've got an attitude issue, instead of grappling with it and, you know, and going back in our histories, and some of that's helpful, but going back in our history and saying, well, I act like this because I'm like this, the number of people that have said to me, I'm just like this, you know, when they've lost their temper, I'm just like this. Well, why not get that shifted and changed by a walk with God and the illumination of the Holy Spirit? Continue to ask for the Spirit's help. I think it's great. You know, getting help, I, I mean, it's, it's difficult for some of us. You know, when you can't even, you, when you ring some organization, you can't talk to a person, can you? You talk to a jolly machine, and that's after pressing number five or number seven, and then you ask the question, and actually the, the machine hasn't a clue what you're talking about. And I long to talk to people, don't you? Listen, we have access to the Holy Spirit who is a person, not a machine. He doesn't treat us with a number that we press. Uh, We are personally loved by God and passionately loved by God. He's on your case and he's on my case. You do know you're important to him, don't you? You do know that he loves you passionately and he doesn't have favorites. Well, if he does, you're one of them. Because God wants us to know him, to walk with him. So, choose to fill your mind with the Spirit's words. Continue to ask for the Spirit's help. And thirdly, practice the presence of the Spirit daily. Practice the presence of the Holy Spirit daily. I think we sing songs, and we've sung one today, that at the end of the song, we ought to just stop occasionally and say, do we believe this? Because we sing the songs... We'd sing about the presence of God. Do you believe the Holy Spirit is with you? Do you believe he's walking with you? Do you believe that when you drive your car, he's with you? Well, he is until you go beyond a certain speed. Then perhaps not, but that's a theological debate. But the Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. The practicing of the presence of the Spirit daily. Well... Just using that title, I'd have to make mention of a book, wouldn't I, by Brother Lawrence. Some of you have perhaps heard of this. 
He was a French Christian monk who wrote the book, The Practice of the Presence of God. And this monk, it's a story of a humble, ordinary man learning to obey God in the menial, everyday issues of life. And so he would talk to the Holy Spirit when he's preparing food. He talked to the Holy Spirit while he's in the fields. You know, and if you put that in our context, speak to God as you're driving your car, even when it's frustrating getting through the traffic on the road between Norwich and Lincoln. You can speak to the Holy Spirit and speak, I mean, we'll get on to all of this, but speaking in tongues is good. You do know that, don't you? To edify yourself. And uh, if you're not speaking in tongues, ask the Holy Spirit. Get some prayer, people to lay hands on you so that the gifts of the Holy Spirit can flow in the church. We're meant to be a charismatic church. And therefore, we need to be open so that we can, on a daily basis, practice the presence of the Spirit daily, thanking God for the menial things. You know, I guess we've all got used to stuff, haven't we? Jesus says, when you pray, pray this, you know, give us this day our daily bread. How often do we really take, take the notice and the time to say, thank you, Lord, I've got some food on the table today. There are places in the world where that prayer is so vital on a daily basis. We live in a world where our mindset can be, I can do it myself. I can provide for my family. I can do it. I've got a job. I've got some money. I can do it. We need a mindset that says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, from God himself. And I'm going to practice the presence. I'm going to thank God. And I believe we practice the presence of God in our homes. You know, when the kids are fractious, I, I think it's fun being a granddad now because the kids can, can sort of mess the, the world up a bit and I enjoy it because you can kind of pass them back. But I believe that, that we can practice the presence with our children, with our relationships, in our homes, uh, in our place of work. Please don't use this, this idea that this is the God part And Monday morning is the world part. No, practice the presence in your office. Practice the presence of God in your workplace. Live as a follower of Jesus in our communities. Learn to live a life in the Spirit. So let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we realize so often that if people are watching us, they might not see the difference. Forgive us, Lord, if we live blurred lives rather than Lives of contrast. Help us, Lord, to be different but not weird. Help us, Lord, to be people that are good citizens. And I pray that we will be attractive to the people that are around us because of the life of Christ in us. And so, Lord, this morning, by an act of faith, we choose life. We choose to be followers of Jesus and therefore we choose to set our minds on things that are above and we align ourselves with the Holy Spirit this morning and we say, Lord, help us not to be people that are just feeding the the sinful nature or people of flesh. And Lord, I pray for help for this location, for every one of us and sat on seats this morning, help us, Lord, to practice the presence every day, to live as we should. 
to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I pray we'll be in a place, Lord, when you say, not, not over there, and we obey. Or you say, this would be, you hear the, the prompting of the Spirit, don't make that comment, and we obey. Help us to be so in tune with the Spirit that people begin to notice the shift and the change. And Lord, though some of us may not have the dramatic testimonies, I pray, Lord, people will know that we have been with Jesus and they'll know we're different because we have a different mindset. We think differently and there's a contrast between good and evil, light and darkness. There's a contrast between followers of Jesus and people that are just out for their own interests. I pray for every one of you this morning that you will learn the joy of walking a life in the Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that we'll all make progress together so that corporately we'll be this great light that shines into Wyndham and the area around. I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you all.